Hi, my name is Tim Lee. You are listening to Leader Life, and this is part two of my conversation with John Irving. If you're just jumping into this conversation now, I really recommend you go back and listen to part one first. You might remember that John and I sat down to record and wound up with too much content to share in just one episode. In part one, John and I talked about our own relationship, and in this second half, we'll open up to a more broad focus. We discussed things like how cultural background affects the way we lead our churches as well as our families. And fair warning, in this episode, John and I will discuss some sensitive issues about race. For example, what it can be like relating with police as a young black man in our city, or thoughts on why the American church tends to choose segregation. What I love about this episode is that you're about to listen in on a conversation that John and I would have had anyway. I'm extremely thankful for a friend like John who's willing to talk and learn together with me. Now, I don't say all of this because I think that simply talking about difficult issues magically solves those issues. I say it because I believe it's not possible to discover the actions we all need to take unless we're willing to learn from each other and dream with each other about how we can take action together that moves toward real, helpful, and unified solutions. So I hope that as you listen in, you might be inspired to have similar conversations with the people you do life and leadership with. Now, without any more delay, let's pick up where we left off for part two of my conversation with John Irving. So I can, I am made better behind the scenes yeah, because of a friendship like ours right? and, and vice versa. Do I also have a responsibility to share my relationship with you publicly so that the people I'm responsible to lead can grow from our relationship as well as I grow from our relationship? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're basically saying, do you need to... Uh, help your your team see life through your eyes so that they're not stuck in in their way. Yeah, cuz I mean as a leader, what in the world is the point if I'm the only one growing? Yeah. Other, otherwise I'm not leading, I'm just growing. And growing is fine. I and I'm thankful for my personal growth, but if I'm a leader, then don't I have a responsibility to share my growth? And then how do you share growth without it treating the people that have helped you grow like a commodity? Mm, that's deep. That's really deep. Some blacks in the black in the black culture, there is an embedded fear and disdain and anger um, and distrust of white people. That's just kind of in the 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 general black culture. That's not for everybody. That's just um, that's just and I think it's, uh, in a lot of cultures like that. Hispanic cultures have sure. kind of a, that kind of yeah. thing too. Um, I would imagine Jews may have that feeling for, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's there. It's kind of almost taught in homes, um, underlined prejudice. Yeah. Be careful. Okay. It, and it's, it's, it's borderline prejudice, but it's also the father passing down to the son. Yeah. The history of, of our culture and they. And them. They. Right. And that's the history. Right. Okay. Let me tell you the history so that you know the tendencies, so that you don't go in blind-eyed, bushy tail and think that, this, that everything's okay. Right. Because 
Tim Lee may love the blacks, but they're not all like Tim Lee. And I think to some degree, there's a responsibility um, for an African-American man, father, to to let their children know this has been the history. Right. I'm not saying this is what it is. But I'll and I'll be honest, I'll tell myself, when oh you're going out to the to the AM PM and it's eight o'clock at night, okay, you make sure you wear something bright mm-hmm. and take your light skinned brother with you, Julian, because he's dark skinned. Um and um don't have any hoodies on or anything yeah. because you know what? Call me racist, but what I don't want you is shot by someone who looks like Tim Lee but doesn't think like Tim Lee. Right. Because then that's going to set me off and it's going to set a culture off. Right. That, to say, see, that's what we've been dealing with. It just because it affirms everything. It just affirms, yeah. right. So so you tell your kids that as a leader. You need kids, to know this that, is the world you live in. that the mayor's putting a bounty on, yeah. on gang bangers, yeah. Bloods and Crips, and son, you look like what someone would yeah. think a blood or crip would be, which and just for folks who are yeah. listening, like that's not you didn't just make that up. That actually happened. That actually happened. In our city. Yeah, that was yeah. actually a bounty. Yeah. So when that came out, I told my dark skinned son. Yeah. You make sure you don't wear anything of these colors, right. because because he still thinks that bloods and crips may look all may be in all red, but it's not. It's in, it's in the shoelaces now. Yeah. Or it's in the hat. But the white guy who's angry does. He doesn't know that. that. He just got a green light to go after anybody who he perceives looks like what he just saw on YouTube. Or whatever TV show he just saw. Whatever rap gangster video he caught him passing his little daughter watching that he told to turn off. Or his memories from 20 years ago. Yes. So um, that's that's embedded. That's there. That's, That's the truth. Yeah. Uh, now, I think in Christ, that's wise. Without Christ, it's racist. So I think Christ is the huh. divider. Okay. In my opinion. Sure. Because and you, you may see someone else of my race say um, something totally different. You need to watch out for all white people. They right. are the devil. Right. Now, that's not the truth. They're not the devil. Right. Okay, the devil's the devil. But there is a, there is a learning curve. Sure. Of, of this particular culture, and they're not all around that curve yet. Right. So until they all we call come around this mountain, son, you need to not wear this hoodie, right. and no, you cannot have a tattoo because right. it's going to typecast you. And I know you're trying to get a job right now, right. and they may look at that and decide that you're not smart enough to get a job. Yeah, that's the truth. Right. Um, so you have like you're living in a world at war, in a sense, and maybe this is over dramatizing the yeah. idea, but but you're living in a world at war, and I would imagine that maybe. Uh, like the Jews would have had to raise their children saying, hey, not all Germans are Nazis. Yeah. But if you wanted to find a Nazi, go to Germany. Yeah. There's a really good, like there's a, there's a chance that among those people. Yeah. That's where you're going to find that, that exactly. group. Absolutely. If, if, if my son wanted to, to go to college in Alabama, I would say, okay, son, this is right. Alabama. Not every white person in Alabama is a racist. At the same time, but, you just don't want to be out right. in Alabama. And I, I would imagine, say for you, you wouldn't send your daughter to Compton uh, at night. Um, 
driving around to go to a movie or a date, it's Compton. And that would be unwise because John Irving loves your daughter, but not everybody who looks like me and is my age thinks like that. Now, okay, now I'm going to say something to that, though. And I know this is a little bit of a rabbit trail. You know what the difference is about this conversation? You're allowed to say that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, culturally, what everything that you've just said... 99% 99% of people who ever listened to what you just said would, would be like, oh, John's totally, totally right. Like, yeah. totally safe to say, this is the world. It's not, it's not pretty, but he's telling the truth. This is the world he has to raise and his kids in. And you couldn't say that. And for me to say the statement you just said about sending my daughter to Compton, if I was the one who said that, who initiated that's that. That's racist. Yeah. You, is it, right. see, see, that's what's wrong. <laughs> you always think we're going to do something. And that's something. It's, and it's, so that's part of why, all, going okay. all the way back to when I came into your community, yeah. I'm trying to not be the guy who's going to accidentally say something wow. that's going to affirm what a lot of other people have said. And when they said it, they were being racist. And when I said it, I was just being ignorant and I need you to teach me. That's deep. You know, so then, so then, so then coming back to this idea, if I'm leading an entire church, and not my entire church, because again, we've got some Hispanic folks and black yeah. folks in our church, but... Um, if I'm leading people who look like me and who grow question, up like me, yeah, how, do you, how do I lead that? Okay, so my, so my point was that mentality is embedded into the black culture. So when I'm passing a, a black majority African-American church, I know that that's their viewpoint on their white boss, on white people, on the Trayvon Martin situation, yeah. on, on you. Sure. So I think that by having you preach at my ministry begins to chip away at the... D- d- demonic, ignorant parts of that truth. Uh-huh. So the wisdom is still there, but all white people can't be bad. I trust John Revelator, and he just had Tim Lee here. Sure. So, okay, it must be okay. Right. Whereas I was taught that none of it is okay. Uh-huh. Just We just do not because of the history. Right. There's just, and it, it, most people don't even know it. It's just embedded, yeah. you know. Uh, my father told me, be be careful uh-huh. um, uh, dating white women. Just be careful yeah. when you go out into society. They don't love you like your family is going to love you. They don't see you like we see you. So you need to know that before mm-hmm. you go into that college. Right. You are a minority there. And I was. And you're going to be treated certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I was. And some of it was out of ignorance and some of it was out of some prejudice. prejudice. Um, so you need to know that is true. And so, and then when, you, when life confirms that, when you are pulled over for no reason, and I have been, when you are uh, placed in the back of cop cars because you fit a description, yeah. which is something that you may not go through, but we but go through. It never happened to me. Yeah, yeah. I go through it. Right. Um, even in Lancaster. Um, I've been put over many times. I, I looked like someone they were looking for. Yeah. And I, I may have been on a bike at the time because yeah. my car broke down. I was going to work and was pulled over, put in a car and sat in the car for 45 minutes, missed work because I looked like I had a pack of Altoids. They thought I was selling crack in the Altoid thing. Yeah. And they thought I, I threw a bag down before they caught me. I said, I'm a, I'm a local preacher and a right. school teacher. Yeah. But I was on a bike, so I couldn't have been that. So you can't say what I said, but you don't have to go through what I went through to have the right to say that either. Right. Because, because in my cult community, those are black problems. You're literally pulled over, yeah. stopped. 
over a, a, a light and you're out the car and you're being frisked and you're on a trunk because you look like someone in the vicinity right. who who robbed someone. Well, even walking home here, I'll get pulled over. Mm-hmm. I made it. I made it a point to go meet all the police officers because I got tired of being stopped on the way to and from home. I would literally get, like car, cars would just rush me. And I would have black bags. And like if I, if I had like a computer or a guitar or speaker I was yeah. taking home to work on, it looked like I was stealing the computer. And I, I would say... Yeah, and I, I so desperately want you to tell me that you're making that up, but I know that you're not. No, I'm not making that up. Yeah. And if I didn't have Christ in me to actually... And this, this is my fear. Most of my African-American brothers don't have the Jesus in them yeah. to say, you know, you're ignorant, so I'm going to cooperate with you. I don't have to give you my name. I didn't do anything wrong. I could say, right. you have no right to stop me. I don't have to give you my name. I don't have to give you an ID. I don't have to show. Sure. But I, because I'm a local pastor, I want you to know me. I'm yeah. going to give you my, I, and I'll say, I'm going to show you my wallet and my name. I'm a pastoral license because yeah. I want you to know exactly who I am because right. I have four kids out here and I want you to know me by name. Yeah. And I actually walk my kids to the station and let them meet my kids yeah. and say, if you see any of these, these four kids, I those want are, you to know those are my kids, those are my kids. And, I, kids. and I want you to know their faces. So when I see cops, I actually stop. I introduce my children to them for the sake of I want you to know them so that you won't shoot them or think that they deserve to be shot or think that they're a part of something that needs. That hurts my brain. That it's, that's the world that you. And that's really and that's all in Lancaster Boulevard. This is in Southern California mm-hmm. in a good community. That's right here in Lancaster. And I'm a business owner. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I, I work on the boulevard. I'm usually looking like this. You dress nice. And, and if yeah. I took that piano home at 2 o'clock in the morning because we were at the studio late right. and, I, and I didn't want to yeah, get it robbed. The assumption is yeah. that you stole it. Yeah, the assumption of it. And that's why I, I feel that I have to let my children know that that is what it is. Right. Whether we like it or not, that is the truth. Yeah. Don't. Be bringing electronics home from the center, from be the careful. church. Be wise. Be wise. Yeah. Be wise. And if you do get approached, and you probably will, that don't be surprised by that. But also don't what don't react to it. Don't, don't react negatively. Don't react that negatively. that's not the time or the place yeah. to react negatively. Um, um, act. Um, they're they're nervous because they don't know who you are, and and you may be a threat. So be as non-threatening as you can. Yes, sir, officer. Why, certainly, officer. Let me, uh, and thank you for doing a great job, and God bless you. Right. And have a good day. My name is Pastor John of Renaissance Church. We're right. at the Cedar Center. We're right up the street. And um, I'm honored to cooperate with anything you need. This is my piano. That's my speaker. Sure. And I'm a, I own actually three businesses on the boulevard. Which is store. like the most noble thing that you could do in that scenario. And your church knows that you do that. Like, your mm-hmm. kids know that you do that. The people that you do life with. Yeah, but the church I pastor, doesn't. they don't have, they just met me, so they don't have that spirit yet. Yeah. Like, but, so then how do you get that into them? Because this is your leadership responsibility. I have You're doing to, it with your kids, but the advantage you have with your kids is you made them. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you have had every day of their lives yeah. so far to ingrain wisdom into them yeah and so there can them i can train yeah. the church i have to do two things i have to one um i have to be able to relate to that i can't be ignorant and i, I don't think any white preacher should be ignorant that this is a reality yeah. and to ignore that is to ignore the relief i need so that i can hear jesus uh-huh. if you can't see that i don't want to see so we jesus. pretend like it's not even a problem if you act like that's not real right then you, you started the conversation on a lie yeah, and you and and the biggest hang up 
not it's your biggest, the biggest hang-up is we can't tell our kids as white people what you tell your kids as black people. That's the biggest hang-up. Instead of realizing why that is, right. yeah. then, then we're disconnected. Right. Because we do that out of necessity. Right. You don't need... I don't have to do it. To, you don't have to do that. We have to do that. Right. Um, in a situation where you're the minority, except um, maybe I just, maybe I disagree with something I just said. I don't I don't have to do it. It's not put on me to have to right. do it. I have to do it. Right. I have to have this conversation with my daughters. Right. If I want my daughters to grow up in a bigger, more beautiful world where they can help. Yes. I, but it's not put upon me to no. do it like it's put upon you. Because there's no university in Compton that you're sending your daughters to. Sure. But there is a university um, in in yeah. Lancaster that I'm sending my son to. Sure. So you're not trying to break your children n- into my world. My world is a mission field right. to some degree. Some degree. Uh-huh. Uh, you're not trying to get into um, Howard College predominantly black, but uh-huh. we are trying to get we are we are I am trying to get my business on this block, which is majority white owned. Right. You're more than you're trying to get your business on a majority black owned block. Right. So I have to integrate into your high school. You're not trying to integrate into my high school. Right. So as I send my kids to your high school or your world, I have to let them know the reality of the world. And to deny that or to ignore that is to ignore what they have to go through. Mm. And and once you disconnect there, and I think that's the racial problem, part of the problem on the white side is once you ignore that that's not real, your Jesus can't be real because your Jesus can't fix a problem that he doesn't even acknowledge is a problem. Right. So we have to now be the fixers. You can keep your white Jesus. I'm going to let my kids know what's really going on because yeah. y'all are not ready to. So the first leadership step, whether you're white or black or any any culture, the yeah. first leadership step is you have to lead into the uncomfortable truth. Yeah, which if you're coming from, quote, privilege, it's not that you don't want to deal with it. It's just not privy to you. Not, it's not a part of your... Oh, no, you could say you don't want to deal with it. Or you just don't <laughs> want to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's both and. There's, it's, there's a group of people who would be more like me who would say, I want to learn. I don't even know where to begin. And so it's hard for me to know how to lead a conversation. I don't even know how to have. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's another group of people who would look like me, but think very differently and go, that's not even real. Yeah. And that, and that's the people you're talking about. It's like, how can you even call yourself a leader when you deny the brokenness of the world you live in? Of the world you live in. And, and I can't judge that because, you know, there's, there's things going on in Africa right now. I have no idea what's going on. Sure. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, and not, and not for us to it's just judge it, it yeah. but you also have to be able to speak truth. You have to declare the uncomfortable truth. Yeah, so I think a leader's job is to, from my perspective, is to relate to my team, to say, yeah. I understand black problems, but we're not going to stay stuck there. Right. We're going to bridge the gap even if that side won't bridge the gap because that's our duty under Christ. So whether they admit it or not, it's whatever. We're going to be the lovers. We're gonna, we, we, we can't be, we can't hold our side in, in D.C. because they're holding their side in Marvel. Right. So, I mean, it's we like need to make good, a phone call to right. this. Like good marriage counseling, they always say, exactly. Boo, you're sitting there waiting for your husband to get his act together before you decide that you're ever going to tell him you love him. Why don't you do what you should do? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, and let God handle the rest. Or, uh, you know, bro, 
who cares whether or not your wife is doing this? You're not even doing your part because of X, Y, Z. Exactly. You do you and you do you. And that what if everybody grows up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you're saying this is the good leadership is I'm not going to wait for the other side to fix their issue or to fix my issue. We are going to do the right thing. Exactly. Exactly. Which you have to start with. I earn uh, relational social equity with the group of people I'm called to lead which you can only know the people that you're called to lead yeah. through God and other people affirming that relationships and all that. But, but so you earn that relational equity, then you have the honest conversation about the world that we live in. And then you lead your people to do the right thing. Yeah. Regardless of what everybody else does. Yeah. Now from my perspective, it's different because it's, it's, okay. it's leading, you do the right thing, but you still need to know this is what it is. So we're going to do the right thing. But I'm still going to introduce my four kids to every cop on this block right. who patrols this area because my Which kids is frequent. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's it's the devil that you have to introduce that kind of wisdom. Yeah, but it is the rea- But it is wisdom for you. You want your daughter to do missionary work in Compton or whatever? Okay, fine. But give her a switchblade because it's still Compton. Sure. Yeah, this is what it is. So right. I think that yeah, like, don't send your kids on a mission strip in the middle of gang-infested Mexico right now, and and have and just cover her in the blood of and Jesus. Just go like we're good. See you in two weeks. Yeah, give her the blood of Jesus in a in a in a, right. a M seven, <laughs> and teach her to shoot it, and teach her to, how to load it and clip it. Yeah, it's you know in in Jesus' name. <laughs> and so I think that and to not do that would be foolish <laughs> would be foolish, right? And you know, yeah. know, and that's not racist. So do you see do you see people in your um, sphere and in your universe of leadership who? In having the difficult conversation, telling their people this is the world we live in, mm-hmm. and then trying to do from their perspective the right thing, do you see that that follow-up issue is is real? That people then go, oh, because we're doing the right thing, we can pretend like it's not a problem anymore? Say that again. Say that again. Well, you're, you're saying that doing the right thing doesn't mean that I still don't have to introduce my kids to the police officers in our community. Mm-hmm. Are there people that you see that really just think that, well, I can do the right thing for me, and then... And then that fixes the world. People I see in my in my culture. Yeah, because I, I mean that's not been my perspective. I feel like from your culture, it's there's a like a constant awareness. We are always fighting an uphill battle. In, in my culture, I think there's a constant awareness that it's an uphill battle. Yeah, and I I think that more Christ needs to be embedded into the culture because in my culture, it's just um, you hate us and we know you hate us and. Um, and I got my eye on you, mm-hmm. and we're gonna police the police. So get your cameras. It's kind right. of you know. But this is a but, and this is a lifelong. See, for my culture, it is such a temptation to if we've had one conversation, we have fixed the problem. Mm, okay. And this kind of comes from this, and I I don't know if this is a, a a super predominant thing, but this has been a little bit of what I've seen and kind of my own experience is. We seem to have this tendency in white church culture where if we've talked about an issue, we've solved an issue. Huh, okay. Or if we showed up at one event, then we did everything that Jesus would have expected us to do. Got it. <laughs> I think in, in black culture, there's um, there's underlying pain there. Yeah. So it's like uh, me stomping on your toe and I say, I'm sorry, and you accept my apology, but then there's still this throbbing toe. Right. And then you're still screaming and about your toe, and I'm going, well, I already apologized, so I don't see why. Why are you I, crying? Why are you crying? Like, right. I already apologized. 
but now the the healing has to take place. So I think in my culture, the the healing hasn't taken place because in part this is my personal view. I think what help what help what helps the healing is when the culture that stomped the toe doesn't necessarily put themselves down or be ashamed of where they came from, but acknowledge that there is a stomp toe there. Mm. And so we're, we're going to tread lightly. We don't, you don't have to change anything. This is a light, there's a light. Just for you to know and to care that, yeah, I, I will get pulled over at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Outside my house, I remember one time I was, I was four doors from my home. And I thought, I'm just going to keep walking to my house. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And about three of them just hit me. Skirt, skirt, skirt. Right there. Walking. While walking. Because um, uh, they got a phone call or something like that. And then I had a bag full of electronics. I had I had a Nintendo because I used to bring the, the the game systems for the kids. Yeah, when they're here, so I was bringing the X, and I was like, I got this bag full of games. It's two a.m., which has suddenly turned from ministry materials to incriminating evidence. incriminating evidence, and you know you know they come in swarms. Oh my god! And so for you to for that to matter helps the healing. Okay. You know, versus for you to say, well, maybe you shouldn't have been walking. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have been walking that late at night. No, I was nothing wrong with me walking that late. Well, maybe you should have had a thing in a better bag that was clear. No, I didn't do anything wrong. You know. Yeah. So you can't. You can't. Those things make it hurt worse. Diminishing the reality. Diminishing the, the reality. The, the problem is not the bag I had all the time. The problem was, is we're in a society that your your race and or color puts a bias. On, on you, and so I think what helps heal is the acknowledgement of that. You don't have to change anything today. Right. I don't have to fix the world. You can't fix the world, right? But as a white leader, or just as a white man, person, mm-hmm. it's helpful for you if, in these moments where we talk about this, it's helpful for you just to hear me go, "That sucks. That sucks. That's not right." Yeah, from some someone in your position and in your color to say that sucks. That's not right. Yeah. That's a big deal because that begins to break down barriers with black folk who have racial um, prejudice from obvious, obvious reasons. Because that's real. Because that's real. That's happened to everyone. If I I said that in a church full of African-Americans, they'd all say, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, amen. I've got a story. Because everybody's got a story of that caliber, a cousin, sister, aunt, brother. Or them personally. Or or them personally. And some of it may have been well-deserved, but some of it was not well-deserved. And I'm being punished because of someone else who did something wrong, right. who looked like me. Right, because the night you got stopped because you had a bag of Nintendo games that were ministry materials, they got a phone call. Somebody did Somebody something, did something. And you were the guy that they saw. Yeah. So that whoever that person's bad behavior got projected onto That's you. me. So I'm not free to just... Uh, I have to answer for the sins of... It's, and you're going to group yeah. me in a... In a, in a, in a in one pile and just right. just deal with them all. Right. And so, and so then if I come to you and, and in this conversation, it doesn't help us become allies if I go, well, you do, like, you do know, like, at 2 o'clock in the morning. There was a robber. Yeah, and that's when robbers rob. Which is true. Which is so, true. And as, but, as if, but if I say that as if I'm going to put that on you and say, well, John, let me tell you yeah. about how robbers rob at 2 a.m. in the morning, maybe you should exercise some wisdom by not walking on the street. Now Uh I've actually said to you it's somehow your fault that robbers rob at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, 
and that you were born with black skin, which is the reason they looked at you. Yeah. Now, I will tell my son that. Don't be out at 2 o'clock in the morning. Because there's the wisdom of Christ yeah. that you're able to. But I would tell you, I would, to, to you, I would say, wait a minute, that guy from Bex just got out the, the bowling alley at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. He walked a block to his car and no one bothered right. him because he had skinny jeans and blonde hair. Yeah, but but you you just touched on something interesting because I wouldn't tell your son that. Yeah, but you should tell your son that, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't tell you. Well, the thing about robbers robbing at two a.m. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of what I see isn't helpful about white people trying to engage in these conversations is we come in trying to educate as if you don't know mm-hmm. that people rob stuff that robbers rob at two a.m. As if I'm like my my contribution to fixing the racial issue is I'm going to tell you how to not have people be prejudiced against you. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want you to tell me what I need to do better. Right. I, what I want is for you to acknowledge that that's not right. Right. And I'll do better on my own. Or because there's something to be said about relational relational and cultural equity that you have to earn to be able to say a thing. You haven't earned the right to tell him that. Right. You haven't died for his sins. You, you you haven't lent him money right. when he was you didn't bail him out of jail whatever right. he went through so you don't have the yeah you don't have the right to speak that level of, yeah. of, of truth yeah. which is why I think that we are good pastors for different cultures yeah. because in some cultures I've earned the right to speak like that yeah uh, where you would have to earn that right yeah um, but I think that what we can do for each other is by me having you preach at my at my church or by you showing up to something like the music and message that we do on Wednesday Thursdays yeah it it lowers the tension huh. because now they are exposed to white people I feel like we're in the 50s they're exposed <laughs> to white people in a way that um the world was exposed to the Black Panther movie mm-hmm. now we have a chance to see African Americans in a light that we rarely see them as kings. Um, the only other African-American heroes in Marvel, I'm just keep that going, yep. is um, our sidekicks to the main characters. Right, right. And this right. time it was like, we are saving the world. Yeah. And we're not doing it, by the way, just by our superpowers, but like we're also going to offer you our wisdom and yeah. insights. Yeah, so we've never seen that. Um, the first guy is wearing a suit that Tony Stark made. Yeah. So without Tony Stark, he's nobody. Right. And the other guy is Captain America's winged friend, sidekick. Sidekick. Maybe. Yeah. Um, which and they play great roles, but you've never seen African Americans in a leading. Right. Both of these other guys play the roles that you're like, they're probably going to die because they're sidekicks. Uh, yeah. That's just what happens to the side. At some point, the sidekick's going to die, and you're going, oh, that's sad. Now we have Obama, Black Panther, and Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So yeah. Black Panther is now culture now. Right. That's one of the people that yeah. we want to, that we imagine being now. Right. That guy who plays the role, he's stuck for life. He's yeah. Black Panther. I don't care what he else. He's Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker. For the rest of for, his re- life. For the rest of your life. Right. You are that guy. Right. You will play this role 40 years from now. You'll come back as old T'Challa and play as the man. Because right. you will never, that is, right. because you're culture, because we need that, you. And that transcends the movie because that, like LeBron James is having all this thing in the news now where people are telling him to shut up and dribble. And there's this whole debate about whether or not LeBron James is allowed to have an opinion. Right. And yet, I mean, a white basketball player could have the exact same opinion 
and be all kinds of yeah. verbal, and nobody's going to tell him, oh, shut up and dribble. No, nobody right. is. But so, so he, LeBron James, just by, by virtue yeah. of the world he lives in and the fact that he opened his mouth, or the fact that you're playing Black Panther in a movie, the, all of these things actually transcend the, the court that that conversation was started on. Yeah. And it becomes a thing that for years and years and decades down the road, this becomes an icon. That's an iconic of, situation. Yeah. yeah. And what so it does... you point to that. Yeah. And you do in a African-American community what that movie does for a white community. Because now, if, if, if a... The theory in our culture is if a white person... And this is a conversation I have with my kids. Um, we'd say, what did that do for us socially? Well, if a, if a white person's image of a black person is what they saw on YouTube or a thug or blah, 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 and you see that, then I have a broader scope of you people. Mm. Um, yeah. If you are in a setting like this with someone who has been trained not to trust people who are your skin tone, then now they have a broader perspective of you people. Yeah. So you're a white panther. <laughs> so in that, in that sense. So it's, it's awesome when you're here or when you, when you avail yourself to these conversations because you're changing the image that the enemy, let's, let's bring it back to who it really is. Yeah, right. You're changing the image that the devil wants to paint of, quote, you people that would always prevent us from coming together mm-hmm. because there's no level of trust. But by you crossing that border, there's a level of trust that says, okay, now my t- it's not flesh and blood I'm wrestling against. It's powers and right. principalities. And we become allies against the, the actual the enemy. The actual enemy right. versus him playing us against each other right. with smoke screens and mirrors right. or using a few ignorant white people and a few ignorant black people to make all of us now just hate wow. each other. Right. Or afraid of each other. Or afraid of each other and hate each other because right. we're afraid of each other. Right. So right. you being sensitive shatters the enemy's work huh. in the racial area. Uh-huh. So what you're doing is very, very important. The fact that you have a predominantly white ministry is key because you would have, it would have to be someone with a ministry like that who could peer into another culture mm-hmm. coming directly from the Marvel Universe but peering into another universe, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big deal because that's going to lower the defenses of the 25-year-old mm-hmm. who is scared mm-hmm. and angry at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. So if you pastor a predominantly black church and I pastor a predominantly white church, it has to be because we know these are the, this is the, the cultural language I am called and designed by God to lead in yes. and with. Not because I'm white and it's easier for me not to have people who don't think like me in my church already. No, this is the language. Right. And, and with that being said, let me be sensitive to my white brothers. Let me learn my Hispanic brothers mm-hmm. and um, how to relate to them so yeah. that I can reach any of them. Right, um, right. Because at some point, it, the church will definitely grow. It may start, as, it may start in Jerusalem, Yeah. but it, it, if it's yeah. God... it. it right most likely won't stay with Jews. Yeah. So let me learn different languages and be all things. Instead of just assuming that, well, I started out pastoring predominantly black church, Mm -hmm. that must be my lot in life for the rest of my ministry. ministry. And for some, you know what? It just might 
be. Sure. Sure. And I'm not judging that. No, right. Yeah. But I don't I think that this is a season of a coat of of many colors. Uh-huh. And it may be predominantly this, but in a classroom, it although this the classroom is predominantly black, we want to be careful that we just don't show only black movies on movie day. Right. Because uh or white movies on movie day if you're a white teacher. So is the language important? Like, this isn't a black classroom. It's a classroom of predominantly black students. And that's deep. It's a classroom of predominantly black students. Like, I have a church predominantly of white people. It's not a white but church. It, which gives room for the fact that there are uh, black people, Hispanic people in my church. Uh, my church is... I I think I've not taken a survey and I don't plan on it. A predominantly conservative people, mm-hmm. and I and I know that I have that sense because I I am on Facebook. Yeah, not because I ask. Um, and yet I knew when Donald Trump became the president of the United States that Sunday I had people in my church who were upset, and I had to pastor wow. both of those people. Wow, in the same moment. You know, I mean, it, that kind of awareness. Like, I don't pastor a white church. I pastor a church of predominantly white people. Yeah. And I pastor a church, I, I don't actually know if it's 50-50 or predominantly Republican and predominantly wow. Democrat. But I do know that there were some people who really were upset that Donald Trump is the president. But I also know that there were some other people who felt like Donald Trump was sent by Jesus himself mm-hmm. To be the president of the United States to make America great again. And while I don't personally agree with that, um, I'll, I, I mean, I don't, I don't live on the other side of the extreme as well. And so, I, so I'm responsible to lead the people in front of me. Yeah. You're responsible to lead the people in front of you. But then to be open to the idea that uh, the people in front of me don't all just naturally think like me all the time. And they won't always think like me forever. Wow. So if you stand up and you say, well, I pastor a black church, or if I stand up and say, today I'm pastoring a predominantly black church, mm-hmm. that second statement leaves the door, open the door open for more people to be welcome into your church, mm-hmm. which is, it may not ever be the case, or it may be the case one day mm-hmm. that it is different yeah. when you look out at your church. Yeah. But your responsibility as a leader is to leave the door open and to, to make the, sure everybody feels open. welcome. Yeah. Which is what you did for me when you welcomed me in. I, now, I came in as a one pastor of a different church, but you welcomed me in. Mm. And I have said to you, I feel like if I wasn't pastoring my church, yours is a church I could attend and be a part of, and I would be welcomed here um, to learn Jesus with you. Well, I I feel the same way. I actually feel the same way. Um, I think you're doing something awesome. I think that the fact that you're not ignoring, you're you're pulling the rug up and you're getting the dirt that's under the rug that we, we could live with the rug, but it's not clean. You're huh. deep. You're deep cleaning. Wow. You're, you're doing what what a grandma would call your deep cleaning. Mm-hmm. It's clean. Mm-hmm. We're good, but deep clean is different. Deep clean is different. Yeah. And no one wants to deep clean because you got to turn couches over and right. get cobwebs. Scrub out. more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's work. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. a it's a healthy work. It'll be healthier when it's over. It'll be difficult now. Mm. Because no one's wants deep clean. We're we're so doing our own thing now. We're, we're used to the house being semi clean. Mm-hmm. We've learned to live in that. Yeah, we've we're, we've settled, and you're doing a deep cleaning, and that's that's a powerful thing, and it's something that's on your heart. Um, 
to answer your question about leadership, I think when they see you crossing over, I think when they see Jesus with the tax collectors and with the Samaritan woman, people you're not really supposed to talk to, mm. and he sees you doing it, I think it opens that door. And sometimes Jesus would do it without the disciples. Like with a woman at the well. Yeah, like he would just go. He would just go. And because, they didn't understand. Because they're not going to get this right now. And then sometimes he let them see him reach over. Right. And I think that sometimes you're, you're building in the dark mm. so that when it's time to expose it, the leaders who follow you, who have influence over, go, wow, okay, that's how it's done. Yeah. Huh. Right. Okay. Right. Lead by example. Yeah. Right. I think that you making those. Yeah, will automatically, uh, and for me too, for me doing those things, um, I learned I, that I had to reach across and join things that I would probably never, probably not join to show my church mm-hmm. who's stuck in that, in that demonic racial oppression. We need to grow. Right. And we need to come out of this thing. This is not a black thing or a brown thing. It's a, it's a Christ thing. Mm-hmm. And we, I thank God for the culture he, he dropped me in. But we, one, we're, I'm a man of God first mm-hmm. before I'm a black man. Mm. Uh, because when I identified with Christ, that became my identity. Your citizenship. That's my yeah. citizenship. Right. And that has to be our, and as a, that's a struggle as a, between a, being a black man and a, and a preacher, to put one down is to preach the truth. Yeah. This is the truth. This, right. And it's not, it's not that we turn a blind eye. It's just that with seeing the eye, this is our citizenship. It's in Christ. And as Christ, we love our brothers. Yeah. Um, and we are brothers. That's period. That's mm-hmm. one. That being said, yes, there's epidemics in our particular community. And mm-hmm. Christ is able to deal with those epidemics, too. We're not going to just close our eyes to that because right. we don't see color lines. So let's just, we're going to do it all. Let's just deal with it in order. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we're going to deal with it all. Put let's it in the right order. First, our citizenship is in Christ. Yeah. And now let's deal with issues within our community because that's what we've been assigned to do because we have to make Christ relevant in that community. When you say our community, do you mean like the black community or do you mean like oh, okay. the city we live in? When, when I'm talking to, I guess, a predominantly black group of like black pastors sure, whose primary concern is... Uh, getting African Americans off welfare and recidivism rate. Yeah. Um, that's that's how I'm talking in that in that group. That so the community in that moment is us. Yeah. Yeah. This this particular race of people. Right. Who so put are, our our identity in Christ first, then the us categorization. Yeah. Who I'm speaking to right now. Yeah, and I okay. think that's important. I think that. If, if I don't address that, then I don't address an issue that's on the hearts and minds of, sure. of, of a great many people who need Jesus. Absolutely. So if I, don't, if I don't acknowledge there is a drug epidemic in this particular community, there is a murder rate here, there is a lack of education here right. in this area, and something needs to be done about that problem. Yep. That's an issue. Yep. Um, and that's demonic, and we have to deal with that because there's poverty here. Right, and it's and it's a poverty mindset. Right, this community needs classes, business classes, vocational training, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial aid, uh, more opportunities, um, job opportunities, businesses. Um, 
things like that. We need to go into the jails. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That, that has to happen. So when I'm talking to that community, I, I have to address those issues. But I think that um, keeping Christ here mm-hmm. doesn't make it just a black issue. It makes it a kingdom issue. Right. And in the kingdom issue, there are black issues. Right. In the kingdom issue, there are Hispanic issues. Right. Um, but they're, they're kingdom issues. And because now they're kingdom issues, we may need to step outside of the black community to solve a kingdom issue. Because mm. mm-hmm. the solution might not be in the black community? In, it may not be. And I know we want it to be. But it may not be. Right. And if it's a, but if it's a kingdom if it's a kingdom thing, right. then it's okay. If it's a black thing, then no, let's just solve it within ourselves. Sure. If it's a kingdom thing... Then we need each other to solve. Then we need other portions of the kingdom. Right. right. Paul, I, I need you guys to fund me so I can get the gospel to. Yeah. Right. Because it's a kingdom thing. Right. So that gets tricky because the, the on, on one end, Black Panther needs to be directed to have its full potential by a black director. Right. Yeah. But you need the backing of Marvel, right, to to make it a global phenomenon. Yeah, black director, probably white money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have issues, and black folk need to take the credit as being the solvers of the issues. Sure. They, I don't. They made the movie. Yeah. Right. I don't need you to buy my kids Christmas presents. They need to see me come in the room with Christmas presents. Yeah. So they can, so that I can have. The um, the res- the respect right of of my children that they need to see right because when you go I have to still be there right and if you save them um, if you beat the giant then then I'll never have the credibility in my own community so it has to be then we haven't become allies yeah I've become your savior yes yes so we we need when I'm dealing with African American issues. They have to, to some degree, be solved in that black community. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't have twenty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to partner. Right. Have to partner. Right. But you got to make the slam dunk. You have to make right. the kill. Right. Which right. requires that we start at the first conversation. We love Jesus. Yeah. And we're trying to help people meet Him. That's that's where we begin. That that's what makes us the same. Yeah, yeah. And then what makes us different all comes underneath that, because we so that you have to believe that the umbrella that our sameness creates is big enough to cover our differences, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then we can do whatever we're going to do separately or together, knowing that each of us was put under this umbrella for ultimately the same purpose, maybe yeah. a different method. But the same purpose that we're we're here to help people meet Jesus. I think it's imperative then that we validate, like um, Captain America needs to go to the Black Panther premiere, yeah, and say what a good job uh, the, the T'Challa did, uh-huh. the boy, did, the guy did, and Michael B. Anthony did, uh-huh. and and because he has a, a poor sway, yeah. and uh, Robert Downey needs to show up. They need to show up and, and validate, validate it, right? Because. Yes, you may get this community to come out, but they people, other people want to know what Tony Stark has to say or what Robert Downey Jr. has to say because you have pull in the Marvel universe. Sure, 
you pull as an actor. Right. You know, you negotiate contracts with these guys. Right. And, and Chris Hemsworth needs to come and validate it. Right. And high five and take pictures. Mm-hmm. And when you do that here, it does something in the city, honestly. Yeah. Because people who maybe wouldn't met, bother with me, but would, but bothers with you because you you have that heritage. You can't do something in the city from a Christian, Christocentric perspective in your community and not to some degree involve you. you your name's going to come up. You know, um, where maybe not so much with me, but more so lately because you validated. So, you. And I'm, I mean, I have a hard time believing that. You gotta believe you that. You say it a lot, but. You gotta believe that. You gotta. You gotta. Who is David again? Sure. And I, again, Jesse's, yeah, yeah, and I understand, but I mean, it's, I think it's, it comes back all the way to that idea of like, to me, you're the, da- you're the Jonathan and I'm the David, you know? Huh. And so, so for me, I'm, I, it is that new thing, and this is one of the things that you helped me on is, is that idea of helping me understand that there is a role of a Jonathan. Like, every kid wants to be David and kill a giant, yeah. but there is honor in being Jonathan. There's honor in being Jonathan. And, and I think in many ways we're, we're, we're back and forth here. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, I'm a, I'm a Jonathan in a certain right. world. Yeah. And that's really, really deep. It, it's, it's what Dr. Dre did for Eminem. The black community wouldn't have bought that CD right. if Dr. Dre from N.W.A. Right. hadn't said... Right. And then Snoop Dogg. And right. then and the kid. white kids all thought that they were cool because they were listening to rap. Yeah. Because somebody who looks like them was rapping. Yeah. And somebody who is a, a quote-unquote real rapper yeah. validated them. Yeah. Which makes this white kid who looks like me a real rapper. Which means I could be a real rapper. Exactly. Which it opens it, the world. It opens up another world. And, and, and builds a bridge. Yeah, yeah. I think black problems need black leaders... But it's awesome when white leaders support the black leaders, yeah. not become the savior, but but lift up. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're doing this. We're st- we are with you. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're gonna we're, gonna, we're we're with you. Yeah. Um, when, when the president validates Martin Luther King while he's marching, he yeah. may not go out there and march, yeah. but he says, "Good job." Yeah. So me to you, uh-huh. if I'm doing it right, I'm not coming to save you, but giving you what I can is actually a gift to me as much as it might be a gift to you. Wow. So the other day we had a yard sale and somebody came by and bought a piece of furniture. Well, I found out that the family who bought this furniture or the guy who bought this, it was was a bookshelf. And the guy who bought it was actually buying it for a a ministry family that he knows. Hmm. People are, are in ministry. And so I, I helped him deliver it to the house because it wouldn't fit in his car, and I had a larger trunk than him, and so I just followed him. So I happened to know where this this you know bookshelf was now. Mm-hmm. As I'm driving home and I'm praying, I'm just going, "Oh God, bless these ministry people." I clear as day dropped in my heart. You should give them their money back, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't a ton of money, you know, but it was just a more of a like, we're in this together. You're a minister, right. you know. And so I pull up, and the guy who did the delivery, he's gone. So now here's just this random guy walking up to a driveway. Right. And, uh, and I, I approach uh, the, the lady. She happened to be out watering her, her garden in the front yard, mm-hmm. kind of from a distance, said, Hi, my name's Tim. This is going to sound super weird, but I felt like God told me I'm supposed to give your money back. Wow. Uh, and, 
and it was like she's kind of looking at me like who's this young guy coming up to my driveway you know yeah and then when I said I feel like God told me to give you your money back she all of a sudden put her arm out to give me a hug and so I walked up and gave her gave her a hug and and as I'm kind of standing there next to her giving her this you know the awkward Christian side hug yeah. on her driveway um she goes well I'm certainly not gonna stop you from doing what the Lord told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this funny moment where it becomes this great illustration yeah. for that. Um, it actually made, I, it probably made her feel nice to know she got her money back yeah. and she just got a bookshelf for free. Yeah. But I don't care how good it felt for her. I It made me feel so great. Not to feel like, oh, good job me, but it was a gift to me to give her her money back. Right. Like, it, it did something for me. It made me a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, it taught me something, you know? Right. And so, and there's a fine line there because I'm not doing it to look good. And I'm not doing it just to feel good, which is humanism. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an element of when I, when I give you what I have because of my culture, mm-hmm. and I know it will help you, it's, it's so good if I do it because I know it will help you. Mm-hmm. And you receive it, not because, well, we need you to help us, because that just perpetuates the problem, mm-hmm. but we actually know it's good for you to help us. Mm. And so in that way, the way you serve me is to let me serve you wow. in the way that I can. And then, and you do the same thing for me. It just looks different. That's deep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and that, I mean, that kind of encapsulates a lot of what we've done for each other and what I feel like you've opened doors for me and, and why that's healthy and why I feel like in our respective churches and lives, what we do for each other is moving this conversation forward. That's difficult, um, I can tell you, because black folk got pride. There's a, I don't need your help. Right, kind of, kind of sure. thing there. That that may that may come from um, uh, insecurity. If if we're to be honest, it's it's a Probably need comes from a lot of things. It's a need to prove that I am just as good as you. Yeah. And um, I may not have come from where you've come from, but I am I am just as strong as you. Right. And I think that that pride comes into our churches too, even how we do with each other. Sure. Which is why we, at black ministers, we seldom connect, and there's this uh, infighting in the mm. black ministers because that pride won't allow us to reach out mm. because to, you have to do it on your own. Yes, because my my manhood is steeped in pulling my own self up. Huh. Um, no one helped me get this far. I'm dang sure not going to take any help now from anybody yeah. kind of thing. And so that's, and that, I think that's crippling, honestly, if I can speak honest, I mean, candidly, um, so that when someone hands out, it feels like you're saying, you're not good enough to have done this on your own. Huh. You, you now need me here. Let me be your daddy. Wow. And we don't want no daddies. Yeah. Uh, because our images of daddies is kind of messed up from childhood. That's a big, yeah, that's yeah. a big so, issue. So it's yeah. a, it's, it's difficult to um, receive help or to reach out or to accept it because of how it 
how it because of appearances. Yeah, how it makes you feel. It hits on the pride thing. It hits the pride thing, which is which is funny because and it perpetuates a cycle because, it, and I'm not I mean not across the board. Yeah, but it and it maybe just it can seem this way sometimes. I think white folks are going to be. Uh, we'll take yeah, we'll take it. We'll take your help. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. But like it also humanism is a very I think it's a white man's game cuz it I love to do things that make me feel good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like I I love to do things for other people because of the way it makes me feel. Yeah. And so the temptation for me is to do it not because it's going to make me feel like your savior but to do it because I have a savior and it was, and what I gave you wasn't mine to begin with. Mm. So now I have to disassociate my reward from my giving and give regardless of the reward. Interesting. Which, so, I mean, so it's, it, it, it is, we both have the same issue with the giving and the receiving. Well, we have different issues with giving and receiving, Mm -hmm. but both of them, cripple our ability to give or receive genuinely yeah if we don't do that hard work yeah um and and it stifles the black community because they won't it's difficult to to partner or to merge yeah um so you don't have a lot of ownership um most african-american churches i hear they're renting Uh some storefront um that's just that's just how it is i don't know it's so weird and um you, you couldn't buy me lunch because what are you trying to say? I can't afford it? Huh. What, are you, what, are you, what are you saying? Yeah. I can't. can't. No, we don't have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have that problem. I don't know, Tim. Uh, Why don't we just all paint ourselves green and call it a, call it a day? You cracked it. Yeah. That's the solution. That's the solution. <laughs> You've been listening to Leader Life. My name is Tim Lee, and I want to say a huge thank you to my friend John Irving for taking the time to sit down and record the conversation you've heard over the past two episodes. I hope to be able to share more episodes like this in the future. If you like the show, I would really appreciate you leaving a positive review and giving a high rating wherever you're listening right now. That's one of the best ways to help this podcast grow. If you'd like to get a hold of me directly to recommend topics or guests you'd like to hear on Leader Life, you can email me at leaderlifepodcast at gmail.com. I know you're busy and have a lot of things you could be giving your time to, so thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.